Let's go to Isaiah 55. Um, I know we're going to land there before we're done, so let's just start there. Isaiah 55. And, um, amen. And let me get myself where I need to be here in my notes, and then we'll just wade off into this. Sometimes I get myself spread way out and it's just because I'm not being disciplined enough to stay focused on what we need to talk about. And, um, and then other times, and, and this is one of those times, I feel like we're, we're spread out, but it's on purpose, and part of it is the Lord's kind of stretching us. And um, it's almost like we got three different sermon subjects going at once, but four if you count Wednesday night, but anyway, the, the three that we've been working on are all related, and um, I appreciate you being here and being diligent to, um, to hear these words and to receive these words. I think they're going to, and I believe in Jesus' name, they're making a big difference in your life. Praise God. Um, so Isaiah 55, let's begin at, um, I don't have slides for these, but let's begin at verse number six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now, we see through, look at me for a moment. I've I got the next verses I'll put up on the screen. But we see a very powerful connection throughout the word of God between the way we think and the way we behave. Um, the way we think and the way we live. And so, <clears throat> I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room that has ever had behavior in your life that was negative and needed to be changed. And you ask yourself, you know, why is it so hard? You know, I mean, if you want to lose weight, just burn more calories than you take in. If you want to save money, just spend less, you know, than you make. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, but, but why is it so hard? Well, it's so hard because there's a mindset, there's, there's thinking that's invisible that's producing the visible behavior. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 4, from the heart spring forth the issues of life. And so, you know, we say, well, man, that, that dude's got issues, or that sister's got issues. Well, the issues are visible, um, but the source from which those issues are springing forth is invisible, it's hidden. And so, we were talking this morning about this image that we have inside of ourselves, of ourselves. The Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7. You can never rise above your thinking. Now, when Jesus <clears throat> made you a new creation through the, through the new birth, you became somebody that you were not before, but because we still think like the person we were instead of the person we became, we tend to still live like the person that we were instead of this new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. 
I don't know if it's this way with everyone, but I'll just be honest with you. Human, human behavior fascinates me. I took a lot of psychology classes in college just because, you know, <clears throat> what makes a person tick? I was one of those kids that I'd get something for Christmas, I'd play with it for a little while, then I'd look for a screwdriver to take it apart because I wanted to see <clears throat> what made it work, what made it do, you know, what it, what it did. And that interest, that curiosity is carried over with me in, into human behavior, my own and as well as, you know, serving other people to try to help them. One of the more fascinating studies, and I won't go into all the details of it, but it, it's a study that involved two groups of people. The first group of people were those who were basically raised in poverty but became wealthy overnight. Some inheritance, lottery, um, something along those lines. The next group of people were those who were raised in wealth, but basically became impoverished overnight. Um, some type of bad investment, some type of fraud or theft or what have you. And, um, and so those two groups of people were studied. And the interesting thing is those who were raised in poverty became wealthy overnight with just a very short period of time, they become impoverished again. You know, you think, man, all these millions of dollars. We see it all the time, you know, um, a, a football player who gets a huge contract, basketball player gets a huge contract, raised in poverty, you know, just, all of a sudden he becomes multimillionaire. And then, you know, six years later he's broke again. But then the other side of the coin is the guy who was raised in wealth, a girl who was ra raised in wealth, bad investments, loses it all. It's only a brief period of time before they're wealthy again. So why is that? It goes back to what we were saying this morning. It's the image that we have inside of us. If someone has this poverty mindset, it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars you give them, they can't rise above that poverty mindset and they will eventually become impoverished again. But you take someone who has a wealth mindset, a wealth image inside of them, even if they lose everything eventually. And obviously this is not universal, but it's, it's a very fascinating study. You can look it up, do some research on it. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. Rarely do I ever speak of these things. Rarely do I ever speak of these things. And so if this is you, please know I'm, I'm not judging you, okay? I'm just, I'm here to help you. I'm here to try to help you understand some things about yourself. But for people ask me all the time, they say, Pastor Mark, pray for me that I'll quit smoking. And, and so obviously, you know, I take that very seriously. Anytime somebody asks me to pray for something like that in their life. And, and, um, but this is one of my more frequent answers to that. The day you quit smoking is the day you realize you're not a smoker. Now, if you think about smoking's more than a habit, I'm only, I can only speak for the guys, okay, but as a young man, you know, the Marlboro man, you know, they, they used to be plastered all over everywhere, you know, they finally outlawed all, all that advertising. But you see, there was a certain image, come on now, there's a certain image of of being cool, you know, 
having a cigarette in your mouth, have a cigarette in your hand, Hollywood, glamorize it, all these other things. And so young people see that and, and it begins to build, even before you ever smoke the first cigarette, it begins to build an image inside of you that somehow you'll be hip, somehow you'll, are you, again, I'm not picking on smokers. I don't, if you smoke, I don't even know, I don't even know who, is, who does it here and who doesn't, okay? So don't think I'm blasting you. I'm just trying to show you something here. It's an, it's an image. Now, you know, it starts messing with your health and you get tired of, you want to quit and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, I'll just lay them down. And obviously there, there are the physical aspects of the nicotine and that sort of thing. But it's more than that, see, there's, you have established inside of your heart and mind this image of a smoker. And until that image changes, it's going to be very difficult for you to lay them down. But when you realize, man, this isn't me. I'm, I'm creating the image and likeness of God. You know, I, this, this is not who I am. Are you hearing me? It's not who I am. And I, again, it's, I'm not here to talk about myself. My, my thing wasn't cigarettes. It, it, it was uh, food. Food, 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 right? And, um, you know, so over time, you just get this image of yourself as being overweight. And, and you, you fight against it in your mind, but then, you know, you're like, well, it's just who I am, you know? I mean, I love to cook and never, never trust the skinny cook, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know? And you, you, begin to you begin to justify it, right? You begin to, um, in, in your mind, it's because this image over time has been established in you, Right? And um, one, of the, one of the things that I started doing is I started finding old phot photographs of myself when I was thin, right? I needed, I needed a new image. Um, some of you know who I'm talking about. I won't, I won't say her name, but um, she's, she's struggling right now. She's been at this church since she was a little girl, and, and um, her mom sent us a, a picture of her, and, um, and, and anyway, drugs have really altered her appearance. Let's just say it that way. I went and found, I'm not going to show, I'm just going to show you the back of it. This is a picture of me and her. I won't show you her face, but that's a picture of her. You, you see what I'm saying here, right? It's a picture of me and her. And I put it in my Bible. It's been in my Bible now for months. Because I needed a different image of her in my mind. I, I, I didn't need to keep seeing her the way when I saw her, it, it, it made Pam and I both break down into tears when we saw what drugs is doing to her life and her. She's a beautiful young lady. And um, so again, the, the enemy is trying to build these wrong images um, in us. And um, this is what, of course, the Holy Spirit is so working in our lives and needing us to cooperate with him to change. We, we sang it tonight, my chains are gone. My chains are gone, okay? Well, we spend probably four to six hours on this in discipleship class. Let me try to spend four to six minutes on it right quick. But you are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. And the spirit is the real you. Um, that's the part of you, if, if, it's been, if you've been born again, that's the part of you that was born anew, okay? But then there's another dimension of your existence called your soul. Spirit and soul are not the same thing. They're completely different. People use those words interchangeably, but in the Bible, they're not the same. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, feels, and uses 
thinks, feels, and chooses. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Three parts, okay? That's your soul. Then you have your physical body, your flesh, your five senses. You're a three-dimensional being. It's one of the most important things, one of the most important things that you could ever understand as a born-again believer. So let me go over it again. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and all of that is contained within a physical body. Now, when we say my chains are gone, you know, perhaps, you know, you've been in handcuffs before. We don't judge you around here for that, right? But clearly no one in here is physically, your physical body is not chained tonight. You understand you know what I'm saying? And if you've been born again, your spirit, the real you, is as free as Jesus ever has been or ever will be. So where do the chains exist? In our mind, in our thinking. Now, I'm not saying they won't affect your physical reality. They will. They will absolutely. You know, I mean, you see people living like they're chained to some habit, some problem, some substance. Um, it's because they're chained. If they're a born-again believer, it's because they're chained in their minds. And as long as they're chained in their thinking or they have this image that that's who they are, then that's going to be reflected in their behavior. Are you, are you following this? I don't, I'm not trying to get too... Okay. So... This is why we go back to the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. The reconditioning of the mind. Things that we have experienced, things that we've done, participated in, those things have over time formed, shaped, chiseled, forged, whatever you want to call it, a certain image within us that is not who we truly are. It's not who God created you and then recreated you to be. But until that part of you is changed, and, and, and I, I didn't intend on spending this much time on this tonight, but I would dare say folks who are committed enough to be here on a Sunday night, not just any Sunday night, Sunday night before Labor Day weekend, right? Labor Day is tomorrow. That you're not just interested in a relationship with the Lord, but you're interested in, in growing and, and experiencing and developing and, and maturing and, and, and ex experiencing more of God in your life. Have, have I got the right bunch tonight? Is that, is that you? I mean, again, that's, it's kind of a no-brainer, you know, and it, it touches my heart so much that, that you're here and that, and that you're going after this, right? So it's, it's very easy to talk about change and, and what needs to change and, and how I got to change. And, and, um, and listen, you know, here at Heritage, it, it's nothing for people to, to be in this building that, that if, if something doesn't change, they're not going to make it much longer. I mean, it's, you know, it's, sometimes it's even that, that urgent. Um, but see, notice now it comes back to, okay, so what is it then that really needs to change? I use this example, and, and it's, it's the physics behind a, a motorcycle. And, you know, if you've ever seen, like, people riding a motorcycle with no hands or, 
you know, you stand up on the seat of a motorcycle, just don't go do that. But, you know, the guys that stunt riders or what have you. So the, the, the thing about it is those, those wheels won't want to be in alignment with one another as they both turn. And of course, on a motorcycle, the, the rear wheel is the, is the one that the power is going to, and the front wheel is the one that steers. And, and if you, you turn that wheel too sharp, there's such a force involved in where those wheels want to line up, you can even cause the back wheel to drift. You know, you see those guys that dirt, dirt riders and stuff, that sort of thing. Did I just lose half of you? So, but if you, keep, if you keep those wheels out of alignment for too long, they'll eventually snap back into alignment and people crash that way, right? Now, in your life, if you think of that rear wheel as your thinking and that front wheel as your behavior, and what happens, we try to change our behavior without changing our thinking that's driving it. And we can do it for a little while. Come on now. We've all been, we can do it for a little while. We can, we can, we can white knuckle it, man. We can fight. We can hold that wheel. We can, you know, just, uh, you know. But eventually, if the thinking doesn't change, you understand what I'm saying? They're going to, they're going to whip back in, into alignment with one another because that's, that's the, the flow, if you will. So, I'm not saying that, please hear me. We, we, we began to talk last Sunday night about this, this concept of initiation, you know, where we say, man, th this is what I need to do, and even if I'm not really that into it right now, I'm, I'm going to worship God. In other words, I'm going I'm to realign my behavior. I'm going I'm to reset my affections on things that are better and different and healthier. In, in this case, we're talking about something that we do as an act of the will that will actually renew our minds. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Let me, let, me, let me try to go at it a different way. <clears throat> there are a lot of folks who, who give up on, on trying to change behaviors in their lives because they're, it's like it's too uncomfortable. It's, in other words, I guess the idea goes something like this. If that's living the Christian life, I'll just take my chances, you know, uh, doing something else because they're, they're, they're miserable at it because it's just a constant struggle. It's a constant fight. Um, but see, again, you're, you're trying to turn the wheel one way while your thinking is, is, is going in a different direction. So what the Holy Spirit's trying to do is a work inside of us. That's why the Bible says he's there both to wheel W-I-L-L, and to do, right? He'll, he'll actually change you inwardly, the way you think, the things, the way you feel, and even the things that you desire. Come on now, can anybody with me? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are sitting in church on a Sunday night enjoying it, and maybe six months ago, you didn't care the last thing in the world about even going to a church? See? <laughs> Look, look yeah. and now it's like, you know, I'm just, so I'm just trying to show you, you know, you, you came because it's like, well, might as well, I got what I got to lose, you know, whatever attitude, you know. But now all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is not what I thought it was. There's actually, and, and, and the Lord's beginning to do things in your heart and life, and he's beginning to show you things.
So that's what I'm talking about. The, the thinking beneath the surface is changing. And it's, it's actually, it's not that your behavior doesn't change, but it's not that you're trying to force it, right? It's, um, see, I believe in abstinence, but abstinence is not recovery. Abstinence is not doing something you really want to do. Who wants to live the rest of their lives not doing something you really want to do? That's, that's not how God created us to live, right? But see, that's all, that's all a lot of people think. It's like, well, you know, just be miserable and just, you know, because we can't keep doing that, it'll kill us, right? No, no. See, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, He'll, he'll begin to change your desires. He'll, he'll begin to renew you and recondition you. So the Bible says in, in Romans 12 that we're transformed, our lives are, tr are transformed, our life reality is transformed by the renewing of the mind. I like reconditioning of the mind because our minds have been conditioned through the experiences, through the things that we've encountered, uh, even our, the, physiolo the, the, the physiology of the brain, the, the, the physical aspects of the brain um, have been conditioned. And, um, but the Holy Spirit is helping us, right? He's, he's reconditioning, reprogramming, renewing that inward part of us. Um, and so once our mind, will, and emotions line up with our born-again spirit, we, we then begin to enjoy more and more of the fruits of our salvation in, in our daily life reality. Um, I say this from time to time. I'll say it again tonight, okay? The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. The joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. Now, there may be some folks in here tonight, you know, it's like, look, I don't know if that's true or not, Pastor Mark, but... I know that the pleasures of sin about pleasured me to death, and so I got to do something different, you know. But no, see, now here's the thing the Bible says that the pleasures of sin only last for a season. But, but here's the thing we've all experienced the pleasures of sin. What happens over time, the more you experience the joys of salvation, see, again, a new image is being formed inside of you. A new mindset, a new attitude, new thoughts, new thinking is being formed inside of you. And, and I'm telling you a thousand percent, if I've ever spoken the truth to you, the joys of salvation are greater than the pleasures of sin. But I could, I could record my voice saying that over and over again, you know, two hour, put it on a loop, and you hear it over and over, but that's not, you, you've got to, at some point, begin to go after the joys of salvation, begin to experience the joys of salvation, begin to have things inside of you awakened, and, and new words, new thoughts, new ideas from the Holy Spirit starting to, to develop inside of you, and then the behavior, the experiences that all of that leads to. See, the last thing, the last thing in the world the devil ever wants you um, to experience is some result from the Word of God in your life. 
See, he doesn't want you to hear anything about tithing, but, you know, obviously, you just heard me say the word, so he lost that fight. Um, but, but even if you hear about it, even if you know all about it, even if you try it for a little while, he never wants you to experience the devourer being rebuked, the windows of heaven being opened, blessings poured out in your life that you don't have room enough to contain. Because once you experience it, then all his lies have just been, um, the stinger's been pulled out of that, right? The, they, don't, they don't have any power anymore over you because, you know, remember, an experience beats an argument every time. So the devil fights you because he never wants you to experience the results, the benefits um, in your life of, of, of doing things God's way. Amen. Amen. Now, let's, um, let's go back to Isaiah 55. So remember, he said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He can always be found. Look at me for a moment. He can always be found. And when I say that, I, obviously, um, while, you're, while you're still fogging a mirror, while you're still breathing here on planet Earth, he can always be found. But there are times when he is, how do I say this, more readily accessible than others. Not because of where he is and what he's doing, but because of where we are and what we're doing, right? In other words, he's, he's constantly trying, just like the devil's constantly trying to manipulate situations and circumstances and relationships in your life to draw you further and further away from the life God created you to live. Angels are working, trying to bring you into... Nobody's here tonight by accident, okay? This is... If, if, we, if we could look behind the curtain, so to speak, in the realm of the Spirit and see... There, there are things that angels from heaven started working on seven years ago towards getting you in this building for this service to hear this tonight. We, we, we say, well, you know, just look at my watch. Uh, there's some football games on tonight, but I guess we'll be back in time for second half. I guess I'll go. And we think it was just some random last-minute thing, and you have no idea the strategy, that elaborate, audacious plan that all culminated in you being here tonight to hear answers that the devil's tried to keep you from hearing your whole life. You, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? This is... I know sometimes folks think, oh, Pastor Mark just trying to make everybody feel guilty, trying to make everybody come to church. No, you see, I'm not saying I see it all, but I've seen it from Father's perspective. You, you have no idea how happy he is that you're here tonight. I'm just telling you, you have no idea. He's like, my kids are getting together, man. They're gathering around my feet. They're, they're not my feet, his feet, right? We're gathering at the feet of our Creator, our Father and allowing him to teach us by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. All right, so you can seek him any time, but a lot goes into everything coming together for such a time as this, for such a moment as this. Even like the songs, I don't know if y'all know this, Pam was um, uh, FaceTiming with uh, Uncle Junior's friend Gay tonight during praise and worship. She was just sitting there just weeping, you know, li listening to the music. It's hard, been a hard couple of weeks for her, yeah. And, uh, you know, so again, you know, even the music, the songs that, 
all of that, it's not just random, it's specific. Words and songs that touch you. Um, uh, he carries my healing in his hands, right? Man, am I the only one that's singing? I'll be singing that one in the shower in the morning. You know what I'm saying? All of that strategic, all of that is deliberate. For, all right, so let me get back here, at least get this part read tonight. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way. He's talking about you and me turning loose of some things. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he'll have mercy on, on him and to our God for he will, aren't you glad he abundantly pardons? He's not stingy, but he's very generous in his forgiveness. Verse number eight, listen to this. For my thoughts, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. All right, let me come down there with you, and I'll finish. I know I'm about out of time, but can we just get this part done? Is everybody good? Yeah. <clears throat> I've been using, last Sunday night anyway, and a few other times, I've been using this comparison between a physical seed and you know what we're ultimately talking about here is germination so that's when you germinate a seed that's what causes that seed to grow it's what it's what causes it to produce and then from it going from a seed to being germinated to the end result is it rhymes with germination and it's propagation. Propagation is when you go all the way from seed to eating the corn. In other words, the propagation is when it yields its fruit. When the seed has released its potential completely and now what was previously inside of the seed is in your hand or even in your mouth. You're eating it. Okay? Are you following me? That's, 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 and it's, it's, you know, seed time and harvest. It's something that God has established. He spoke to the, to the soil and told the soil to bring forth in bud. And you could have a PhD in agriculture from Auburn University and be able to genetically modify seed, but the Bible still says that there is a mystery when it comes to a seed, that the farmer plants the seed, he sleeps by night, rises by day, and the seed releases its potential and he does not understand how. It's because it's, it's, it's God gives the increase. Right? God gives the increase. You still with me? Okay. Now, if you could understand that in a physical 
in a, in a, in a physical sense, I want you to use that as a template and drag it over to, to the spirit side of things. I know this is a, a little bit challenging for a lot of people to understand, but the Bible says, for instance, in Ephesians 1 and 3, that you have been blessed with, not will be, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1, around verse 3 as well, it may be verse 4, the Bible says, according to His divine power that works in you, in you, right, inside of you, that He has given, not will give, has already given to you, past tense, all things, not some, not most, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, we could go on for two more weeks here, but He's given you His kingdom, He's given you His Spirit. The Bible says those who are perfectly trained in the kingdom are like the owners of a general store. Matthew 13, 52 in the Message Translation, He says that if you're perfectly trained in the kingdom that is in you right now, you're like the owner of a general store who can put your hand on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it. Again, I'm talking about what's inside of you. What's inside of you. Houses are inside of you. Are houses necessary for life and godliness? Cars are inside of you. Every tire that you will ever need for every car you will ever have inside of you. Everything, all things, all things. Come on now, let's get real with this. That's what he's saying here. It's inside of you. You say, well, how in the world could all of that be inside of me? It's inside of you in seed form. It's inside of you in seed form. Okay? So do you see why the idea of taking it from seed form, initiating a, the germination process, and bringing it all the way through to propagation, do you see why understanding that is like really, really, really important? Yes? Okay. In other words, we, I don't want you to get to heaven one day and say, you know, man... God, I lived like a pauper down there on earth. I, I couldn't even put tires on my car. And the Lord's like, you had Michelins inside of you, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, what those tires? Hand cooks, those racing tires, right? I mean, are you, are you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now, I've gone back and forth in my heart because sometimes, you know, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's giving me an example and I'm like, I don't know if that's me or the Holy Spirit. So I believe it's Him. If it's me, don't blame it on Him, Okay but I'm going to share this anyway. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, He said, the flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit that gives life. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. Okay? Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because all of these things that Father has given to you that are inside of you right now in seed form, they're in spirit seed form. Okay, you kind of have to modify the language to communicate this stuff. They're inside of you in the form of a seed, but again, I'm not trying to embarrass you, as a, as a, as a man, there, there is physical seed inside of me. I'm not talking about physical seed inside of me. 
I'm talking about spiritual seed inside of me. There's spiritual seed inside of every person in this room. If you're a born-again believer, then it's all inside of you, okay? All right, now listen to me. Physical water is necessary to make a physical seed grow. But physical water will not make spiritual seeds grow. In other words, I can't take, well, I don't have my you know, digital Bible, but I can't take the Bible and pour water on it and the seeds of God's Word begin to grow from that water, okay? Spirit seeds need spirit water. Spirit seeds need spirit light. Light and water is what causes germination. Are you following me? All right. So, the Word of God is the water. Jesus referred to it as water. Paul referred to it as water, obviously by the Holy Spirit. So, the Bible that you're holding in your lap right now, it is the water and the, and the light. It's the source of light and the source of water that the seed inside of you are, are waiting to receive, to initiate this spiritual process of germination. All right, I feel like I've gone too far, so just let me, let me say this last part, okay? I'm sure no one in this room, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, but you probably know someone who has taken into their physical body some form of substance that has caused a reaction in their physical body. Like, for instance, alcohol. Alcohol is something physical. You drink the alcohol. The alcohol is processed through your liver, goes into your bloodstream. It is absorbed by your cells, and it alters your mental state, it alters your physiological state. Come on now, you, let's just say it this way. It causes a reaction. It causes a change inside of you because you took something physical from the outside of you, you took it into you physically in a physical way, and it altered the function of your physical body. Yes? Okay. And obviously other drugs, substances, whatever will do that. Now... The only reason I bring that up is I'm, I'm trying to get you to see that the Word of God, oh, thank you, Jesus, the Word of God has the same effect upon you spiritually. When you take the Word of God from outside of you and bring it into you, it begins to react with things that are already inside of you. It begins to activate things. It begins to illuminate things. It begins to germinate things. It begins to cause a reaction on the inside of you. Amen. Are you seeing this? We understand it from a physical aspect. In other words, we can use the idea of, of someone who gets drunk from drinking alcohol, some you know, seeds that are planted and watered and germinate and grow and nurtured all the way to propagation. And so all of those things are comparisons for us to understand how to take these things inside of us. See, here's the amazing thing about it. Because the Word of God is light, as you ingest more and more of God's Word, the Bible says His words, by the way, will be health, life to those that find them, and even health to your flesh. 
Okay, I'm getting excited. Let me try to settle back down here. All right. So the idea then is, I don't know why I keep going back to that. I, if I'm wrong, Father, please forgive me. I'm not trying to stir somebody up in here. Um, if you just drink one beer, right, versus a case of beer, It's going to be a more profound effect, right? Nobody wants to amen that one. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Mark. I have no idea. I don't know. I guess, theoretically, I guess, right? I'm sure you know somebody that's drank a case of beer, right? Why am I using such a raw example? I haven't felt like this since the Holy Spirit inspired me one Sunday morning to say, if you have to say it with a Budweiser in your hand, say, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you have heard this story before. I thought, man, people are going to run from this church for me saying something that crazy, right? Good friend of ours, right? A pastor in, in this house, Wes Johnson. He'd been to 36 recovery programs, I believe, since he was a young teenager. He'd been doing well. He was here that Sunday morning when I said, if you have to say it with a Budweiser in your hand, say, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Well, he had started to kind of stray away from some stuff, and he went and got him a long neck Budweiser and he was on the hotel balcony. Not everybody knows what goes on in cheap hotels, but he was going to get high, and he drank the beer to kind of settle himself down before he relapsed. And he was walking on that hotel balcony, and the Holy Spirit brought it back to his remembrance. If you have to say it with a Budweiser in your hand, say, I, and he began to confess out of his mouth, saying on that hotel balcony, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right. So I, ha I hadn't felt that weird since right now, but for some reason I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to say this. So again, if one beer will affect you a little bit and a case of beer will react, right, let's compare that to one verse of Scripture versus six chapters of Scripture, hearing a verse versus memorizing that verse and going to sleep for the next three years of your life muttering that verse to yourself. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? Because here, here's what you've got to understand. Let's go back to the passage on the screen, and I'll shut it down right here. Thank you, Jesus. As the rain comes down from heaven, the snow... That's not the one I'm looking for. Praise God. You can stand with me to make you feel like I'm finishing faster, okay? Amen. Praise God. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the rain comes down from heaven, so... Uh, as for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, okay? I'm legitimately, I've closed it down. Please stand with me and let me, let me finish this right here, okay? We're talking about thoughts from another world. If as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What if we had access to thoughts that originated in the mind of God and we could take those thoughts into our mind and those thoughts become the building blocks for a new image inside of us. Guess what? You can do that because His Word has come down. His thoughts have come down to us from heaven to the earth in the form of His Word. 
And we can take His words into our minds and, and by the vehicle of words transfer a thought from the mind of God and that thought become a thought in your heart and in your mind. And because they're thoughts from another world, they will literally activate within you seed from another world and begin to produce things in your life. Literally, the entrance of His Word gives light. The Bible says that He has given you things that you don't even know you have. There are things that belong to you tonight that you don't even know are yours. It's because those things have not yet had the internal light shone upon them. But when you see those, when your eyes are open to who you really are and to what's been given to you and what belongs to you and what you're capable of, you see, this is the major life transformation that comes through the renewing and reconditioning of the mind. Amen. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. I pray, Father, that everything we put our hands to this week will prosper for your glory. Thank you, Father, that you are speaking to us and we are hearing you. Increase, 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 Father, the Word in our lives. That living, powerful, active Word, Father. Alive and active in us, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you, love you. Thank you for being here. Good things coming. Be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday, if not before.